Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am Jenny Scott here with my co-host with the most, Dan the Man Duran. How you doing, Dan? Well, Jenny, I'm I'm kind of coming off a of NyQuil mode. I just heard that <laughs> saying on my last call, not because I've been sick, but I feel like the holidays, you know, you just kind of slow down because you're you're a little less plugged in and you're doing some of the other things you haven't got around to and you just feel sluggish. So I'm coming out of NyQuil mode, but I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good now. I'm almost at the mini thin mode. I'm almost jacked up like the mini thin mode. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the holidays, I'm not going to lie, guys. Don't be mad at me for saying this, but the holidays are not my favorite. I'm not a holiday kind of person. Your schedule gets all wonky for like two or three weeks and like people make excuses to do stuff that they usually don't do. And I, I, it's not my favorite. <laughs> so I'm glad to be back on a regular schedule. Back to our podcast. So excited to see you. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm re- I'm excited about this interview today. I've known this guy a long time and he's- uh, I he's know you've known our guest for a really long time. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for like a year and a half now since he actually works for ISSA. Now we sucked him in, we drew him in. We have with us, he's actually a, a product or a content developer here at ISSA, but he has come from fitness. He'll tell you I'll let him tell you how long he's been in fitness because it's my favorite answer he gives to anything ever. But John Bauer, we have John Bauer with us. Welcome, John. Thank you, guys. And Dan, I feel you on, on NyQuil mode, but it's back to business now. You know, we're yeah. past all that. I had to tell our boot campers that uh, just the other day. It's back to business as usual, so let's get after it. Nice. Absolutely. So John hosts the CPT boot camps with me every week um, for people that are signing up for the class and taking the course materials to get certified as personal trainers. It's five week boot camp. We run it continuously throughout the year. And so a lot of people have heard of John before, or at least heard this voice before. <laughs> so we're glad to have him on here with us. But John, so tell people how long you've been in fitness. I know what you're looking for here. I feel yeah. you fishing for this answer. And uh, what I like to say in boot camp is that I got started way back in the 1900s um, uh, because it, <laughs> makes it, sound, it makes it sound kind of bigger and, and better. And, you know, back then when I was getting started, you know, I was just a young guy trying to figure it out. And really, I probably just had a day where I was like, you know what, I like going to the gym. Maybe I'll get a job there. And uh, that's, that's more or less how it started for me. And interestingly enough, when I was looking for a certification, and I don't know if it was Google, I don't know if Google existed quite yet, but I, I think I got on the internet and started looking around, and I found one that was kind of national, one that was kind of American, and then there was one certification that was international, and that's the one I went with. I picked ISSA, the International Sports Sciences Association, as my first certification that I ever took in the fitness industry. Epic. So it's pretty cool that I... I've come kind of full circle and I'm working for the company. I, I don't think we had internet in the 1900s, Sean. So you got to get your story straight, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long time ago. So I don't, I don't really remember. Like I, I might have made a carrier pigeon. Okay. So I, I got to, I, I know you're, you're probably wondering, is Dan going to remember this? But another unique thing about John is I believe, John, you are the fastest Filipino of all time. Is oh that- my goodness. <laughs> yes. Throwback. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you know, 
sometimes you get those questions like, hey, say who you are and then say something interesting about yourself. And, um, you know, sometimes those things get awkward because people can't think of something. So I kind of, I don't want to say I made this up. I'm just saying that at the time, back in the 90s, I was a division one sprinter and I just felt like I didn't see any other Filipinos out there. So unofficially, I made myself the fastest Filipino in the world. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. We're going to put that on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, John, we're here to talk about career paths and open doors everywhere in fitness, not just necessarily working directly with clients. So talk to us a little bit about your past and how you came up as a trainer and some of the positions that you've had in fitness. Yeah. So, so like I said, um, when I was getting into it, I was just going to try it out and, and just see how it works out. And um, I had a couple of really cool things happened for me in the beginning. And, uh, and, and one of them is one that I, I kind of preached to our students about a little bit. One, I lucked out and I got a great manager to, to start off with. So big shout out to James Riley. I don't know if he's listening, but uh, um, he was the right manager for me at the time. He could have been one of those guys that was just, you know, breathing down my neck and scared me away from the industry like a lot of good people uh, have, have, have had happen to them. But he, he was the guy that was the big man on campus he was a big popular guy, literally a giant guy. And he took me under his wing. And that was a big part of what helped me to gain some confidence. The other thing was one of my first clients I bonded with well, and she became a national success story where her poster was all over the country. She was in commercials. So that was, I, I mean, what an amazing start to, to my career to have something like that happen. But the, the national success story part wouldn't have happened if I didn't have the right manager kind of mentoring me along the way. Um, I think I've done somewhere between 15 and 20,000 training sessions over my career, most of which is before 2010. And then I started to branch off a little bit. You know, I, I highly respect the people that want to do 40 or 50 sessions a week for the rest of their lives. I can't believe it. And I kind of envy them for the passion for, for coaching other people that they have. But I wanted to try other things. So I started to branch out, started managing clubs. And the big thing that really kind of took hold for me was, uh, was the education piece. I got to teach for a university and I taught there for five years and I was department head at the end. I got to be the guy shaking hands and giving people a diploma when they were graduating in my last year there, which is a really cool thing. Um, and, you know, during, during that time, I found the passion for, for kind of leadership and management and, and education as my part in this industry, um, as opposed to continuing to coach people on a day-to-day -day basis. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, something I was just talking to, to some teammates about, John, and, and you tell me if, if, you know, when you're talking about 40, 50 sessions a week and so forth, would you agree that maybe we were in the best physical condition uh, that we were in when we were on our feet all day, we were modeling exercises, picking up asymmetrical loads and moving around. And then now, you know, uh, we find ourselves sitting at a desk a lot more. And back in the day, we were saying, sitting is dying, sitting is dying. And, mm -hmm. you know, 40 yeah. to 50 hours keeps you healthy, too. Yeah, you know, I wish I had a smartwatch back then counting my steps, because I probably was getting 30, 40,000 steps a day with all my clients. And you're right. I had a client who was my 5 or 6 a.m. client for four years, and he was a gigantic guy. So the dumbbells he was using were the biggest ones, <laughs> and I had to go get them for him. So I was starting <laughs> off my day picking up some really heavy weights. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Now, well, John, you mentioned, uh, you know, teaching at a university, uh, you know, leadership uh, and well as the brick and mortar health club for our listeners out there, you know, you've involved, been involved with uh, several different career paths. And I know you've done some other things and been part of other things. 
What are some opportunities that, you know, uh, the folks that are out there listening to us, what are some of the things they can do? What are some of the directions they can go with their certification? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because I know when I was coming up, I just didn't know. Like once in a while, I bumped into an opportunity that I never heard of and then I decided to try it. But health clubs are obvious and there's different types of health clubs. So I, when, when you're looking for a job, I suggest checking them out because you want to you wanna kind of interview the place and the manager that you're going to be working for uh, for yourself to see if it's a right fit for you. You can work in the park and rec where it feels a little bit more community-based. So you still get to work with clients and sometimes sports teams. And it feels like you're being a little bit more entrenched in your community because oftentimes they have community events, which can be a really special thing for, for people who are getting into the industry because sometimes that's what they're really getting into the industry for is to help people and be kind of a, a bigger part of their community. Uh, again, there's the sports teams. I, I actually worked for a medical weight loss center, um, which was, well, really cool job, really eye-opening. Um, it was really lucrative. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the things that uh, I got out of trying so many jobs is I found out some of the jobs I didn't want to do. And it turns yeah. out working in a medical weight loss center feels like hanging out at the doctor's office all day. And that's not <laughs> what I pictured for myself uh, when I got into the fitness industry. So, so you know, that's, that's one of the, the best things that I inadvertently did for myself is I tried a lot of different jobs and I found out which ones weren't really for me. And then I really found which ones were the ones that I wanted to shoot for and really go after. And those were the ones that were based in leadership, education, and management. And ironically, the things I, most, I was most scared of were leadership, management, and education. Because you got to get up in front of people and act like you're an expert. You got to make some decisions for people. You got to make hard decisions and have difficult conversations. Um, and if I was going to give myself credit for anything, uh, I decided at some point that if I'm scared of trying something, that's not enough good. That's not a good enough reason for me to not do it. Um, and again, if I give myself credit for anything, I'll give myself credit for that. And that's what I would urge anyone to do is don't let kind of the fear of scrutiny or judgment or failure get in the way of you trying something else in the profession. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good uh, word to live by. So wait, talk to us about the education piece. So like I've worked in studios before, I've worked in big gyms before, and then of course, independently. But when you're working with other people, other trainers, other fitness professionals, obviously we all have certifications out there or we should, right? And we have to keep them up. What does education look like in this field? Well, so uh, we'll look at it a couple of different ways. When I, when I worked for the university and uh, very much what we, what we do at ISSA is we're, we're getting people started. We're giving them kind of a base of information with which to use and get out there in the field. Uh, the cool part about working at the university is I was with the students. So you can kind of impart them with some of the wisdom you have from all the, all the years you have training clients and working in uh, facilities and, and having to act as a, as a manager uh, and a leader. Um, but the, the education piece is, is interesting because one, we have to have it in order to get into the field. But number two, it's a big part of how you can create separation for yourself as a, um, as a, as a business person in the field. Um, if, we, if we get out there and um, are just a CPT, that's a great place to start, but there's lots of CPTs. But the education um, and the continued education and the specialties that are out there uh, that can help you to create separation for yourself, allow you to be more valuable and be more useful, and therefore may be able to attract different types of jobs, 
better jobs, better pay, promotions, et cetera. And by education, I don't just mean all the physical and biological sciences. Some of it is the marketing, the finance, accounting, some of the stuff some of us might think is boring, but I'm just telling you, it's the part that separates some people who are kind of stuck in the field, looking for something else to do, and the people who are able to, to move on. So if you can identify those barriers, and for me, it was a lot of that business stuff, um, and, and create some business savvy for yourself, that is a big part of how you'll create separation and, and introduce yourself to, to bigger and better opportunities. But is there an opportunity to get this education like in a fitness facility, like working for a gym or working for a studio and who, who provides that education? Depends, right? So some fitness facilities, they really push that, that education and that's a big perk. There's some places where you can go work there and you will get free education, free continuing education. Um, in some cases, uh, they will invite people to come speak and teach courses. So, so it depends. In other cases, and this was the case for me, um, I had to find it. And again, this is early 2000s. I was not on social media or the internet. So I got something in the mail once that said World Fitness Convention. And in my brain, I was like, oh my God, I gotta go. I tried to convince other coworkers to come to me or come with me and it didn't happen. I went by myself, San Diego. And the, the big thing, and we, we kind of talked about this earlier, the big thing that happened for me is I went and I listened to a guy named Greg Roscoff speak. And after a couple of hours, I realized I need to step up my game because I had no idea what he was talking about. I was not as good as I thought. I was not as smart as I thought. And it inspired me to get better because again, he, he talked for a couple of hours and I was not good enough to understand what he was talking about. That happens to me a lot, John. <laughs> Constantly inspired. <laughs> That's right. I, I find myself inspired a lot. I do. <laughs> All right, all right, let's take a quick break. It's time for another ISSA Rapid Review. Brandon W. had this to say about our CPT course. ISSA exceeded my expectations. The program made me excited to learn. The way the courses are organized into different sections and having quizzes to test yourself before the final helps you feel prepared. It was a super accommodating learning experience. Brandon, we're so glad you loved it. Question for you, John. Um, when you started, you know, I know you, you've talked about the different places that you worked in and the ability to find out what you do and don't want to do long term. For those folks, uh, you know, listening again, what are some things that that you know now, since you you know started in 1900? Uh, mm -hmm. What are some things that you know now that you wish you knew then that maybe you can share with our listeners to help them with some missteps? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll just speak about what was the biggest game changer for me, and that was realizing the value of, of mentors and, and networking. And networking, it, it kind of has this weird connotation to it, but really what I mean by that is this, and I got a great piece of advice from a mentor of mine uh, one day, because I was, I was kind of complaining about how things aren't happening for me, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting offered jobs or whatever the case may be. And he said something to me like, well, why would anyone offer you anything? No one knows who you are. Like a lot of those people don't know you. They're not just gonna come find you. They're not gonna pluck you out of our gym and make you this amazing offer. And for some reason, as simple as that sounds, it was one of the most relevant and meaningful pieces of advice that I got from someone. Um, so I, I kind of made it my job to, to kind of put myself out there a little bit more and just meet people. And in some cases it was just in my local community um, and, 
you know, it's, it's funny what you'll find out uh, in terms of um, what people will think of you when you start to get out there and be of service to, to other people. By networking, I don't mean you're going out there and asking for things. I mean, you're going out there and letting people know who you are and you're giving them things. You're providing value to other people and it, it comes back to you. It really does. And then soon after that, I did start to get some of those calls where someone needed a fitness manager and they're like, you know what? I'm going to call that guy, John. He seemed pretty cool. And previously, they wouldn't have even known who I was. So, so the, the networking part was big, but then the value of a mentor, I mean, some of those people can cut years off your learning curve uh, if you meet the right people and they point you in the right direction. And, and Dan, I know this has happened for, for you as well, but you get some good pieces of advice. And the, the thing about it is none of it is that piece of advice that's a magic bullet, unfortunately. It's always simple advice, sometimes frustratingly simple advice, but when you hear it from the right person at the right time, it's sometimes the, the advice that could be uh, game-changing for you. Absolutely true. And, and, you know, I think back to the biggest mentor in my career, Rodney Korn, who I know you know, John, uh, and Jenny, we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. And, and, and probably the, the biggest takeaway I got from Rod was whenever, whenever I'd ans- ask him a question in the early days, he'd, he'd say, it depends. And, and that was the big takeaway is there are no magic bullets, exactly what you're saying, John, is, is there's a lot of what ifs and give me more information and you know, let's dig into this. What, you know, what are the specifics? So I guess what I'm trying to say is knowing what, that, that you don't know is often the, the best, biggest takeaway is that there are no clear cut black and white answers. The more you know, the more you have options. And I love the, the way you're framing that up. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you're right. The more, the more you know, the more uh, when it comes to decision-making time, you're making an educated decision or maybe an educated guess. Maybe we'll call it that. But <laughs> at least it's based on something rather than, I guess I'll try something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because now John tells me all the time, you guys, about how he gets like random promo codes from companies and stuff. He's like, I didn't think I was that big of a deal, but they keep sending me promo codes and stuff. I'm like, yo, <laughs> send them my way. Hey, don't <laughs> blow it. Don't blow it for me. I love getting all this stuff. He's got a Tesla in the driveway that came with a bow. I know. It just showed up one day and they're like, oh, it's John. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it's like John said, though, I think you made a really great point. It's not necessarily about what they can give to you. It's about what value are you providing them, right? Make yourself valuable and then they will see you as valuable. So that's that's huge. That's clutch right there. But I I, I can't really say that I've had like a single mentor in my uh, 12 years of being a fitness professional, but I feel like in the last two years of working with ISSA, and I tell John this all the time, and I'm not like sucking up, I'm not kissing his butt, but I love working with John because there's so much, you guys, especially on the club side, the education side, that I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so every time I get a chance to meet with John, I'm like, John, what's your thoughts on this? And then he tells me his rationale and his thoughts, and he's very well-spoken when he speaks through things. And I'm like, oh, you're so right. I learned something today. Like every time I talk to you guys, I love Marty Miller from Techno Gym. Um, When we talked to Randy Hetrick from TRX, like guys, mind blown talking to these people. And so I do my best to, like John said, share value with them, uh, make myself of value so that, yeah, one day maybe they'll think of me and and be like, hey, maybe this person can help us with X, Y, Z, whatever it is, but super cool people that we've met along the way. And John, you are one of them. (laughs) Yes, and you know, there's a thing. There's a theme with the people you mentioned, and uh, they all express the importance of giving. Mm-hmm. You're Absolutely. hearing a theme here, folks. You get the more you give, the more you get, and and you give without expecting to get. Yep, it just true. happens that way. 
Yeah, and I do want to point people. out that, that that wasn't something that was inherent in me. I had to learn it. But once I learned it, then I knew it was the right way to operate in, in life and in business. Yeah. So speaking of giving to people, let's give something to the new professionals out there listening. Where do you recommend somebody that just finished their certification or is just getting into this? A lot of people, we see it all the time on our social media and people call in, I finished my certification, now what? Where do they start, John? Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I feel like, especially nowadays when people are asking that question, they're looking for the hack. They're looking for the magic bullet. Yeah, That's not right? answer. I mean, call me old fashioned, but I think once you get in the in the business, you need to do the job for a while. That's that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, you need to get, you know, some people call it your 10,000 hours. Believe me, I got my 10,000 hours. By the way, that equates to about 20 hours per week, every week for 10 years. Then you got 10,000 <laughs> hours of being in the job and doing the profession. So where do you start? Find a place where you can get those reps in. I think health clubs are great places to start. Some people don't look at them as glamorous as becoming a, a social media influencer, but Believe me, in a health club, you can get thousands of reps in your first year as a trainer. And now you've got some background and you've got some, some point of view on how to do the job. You've got a lot of experience with different sorts of people. And now you've got something to kind of lean on if you want to push forward and, and do something else. And uh, I'm all for people being ambitious. I'm one of those people uh, as well. But you got to have some sort of um, some basis uh, to, to kind of launch your career off of. And I think do the job. It's so simple. This is going to be my piece of old guy, simple advice that is frustratingly simple. But one of the places you got to start is do the job, do it a bunch, get the reps in. And that is something that is going to help you quite a bit. And again, the setting for it, when I say health club, I also kind of mean anywhere where you can meet a lot of people, come into contact with a lot of people that are potential clients for you, or just potentially people that look at you as their fitness mentor or, or the, their fitness expert. That way you get to take all this knowledge that you have and use it with people out on the field. Because believe me when I tell you that the reading the books is great, but applying it is, is a different world, it's a different animal. And getting out there and applying it is a, uh, is a big, big deal. Um, I, I would say if I was telling someone as they're getting started, I'd say find a mentor and find a mentor soon. Because again, they're gonna be able to help you to, to kind of cut that learning curve. And when I say a mentor, what I mean is probably several mentors if you can. But if you have one that you work with, that, that's great because you get to see them on an everyday basis. And then probably lastly, have a plan for kind of growth and improvement. I, I didn't have one my first few years, uh, so I didn't really get any better, but have a plan for growth and improvement. And I'm not saying create a spreadsheet with every move that you're gonna make throughout the year. I'm just saying, what are you gonna do this year? And this is a great time to think about it. It's doing the new year. What are you doing this year that is gonna help you to improve yourself? And it's, it's pretty accessible now. If you wanted to take an accounting course and get online and do it right now, if you want to uh, learn how to be a corrective exercise specialist or a glute specialist, all of those are available to you, but do something in order to improve yourself. You don't want to turn into that trainer that's been in it for 10 years and you realize, okay, I want to do something else. And you haven't done anything to create more value for, for who you are as a trainer. And therefore there may not be a next thing that you can do quite yet until you improve yourself. So, so do the job find a mentor or mentors, and then have, have some sort of plan for, for growth and improvement. Oh yeah, man. That's clutch. Mic drop. 
right? I know so many people out there <laughs> say, oh, how am I supposed to learn how to be a personal trainer from a book? I saw that on Facebook the other day on our Facebook page. And I wanted to reply to this person, but I was like, there is not enough time in the day. I don't have time for this. I didn't even reply. But like, John, you're right. You can't just, nobody learned how to do something from just reading it and then going and doing it perfectly, right? You Like you said, you have to get those reps. Show me a surgeon who learned how to do brain surgery from a book and then went and did it successfully their first time. Get out of here. I know somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What I used to say to my students was like, if you read 101 ways to play basketball, does that mean now you're good at basketball? Right. You got to get Hell out there no. and play the game. <laughs> you know, an analogy I heard early in my career, um, and when it came to what you said, John, about um, not doing the same thing over and over, right? Uh, learn more have a plan to expand your horizons, you know, gems, the beauty of gems is there's so much diversity in the clientele that you're going to work with. Uh, and to your point, maybe you find out who you do and you don't want to work with uh, while you're doing that. I found out I didn't want to train youth when I was training in a gym, uh, which is what Jenny absolutely loves to do. I know. The analogy that, that I heard when I was looking at promoting and working my way up uh, back in my early twenties is I had a mentor tell me, uh, I said, you know, I'm concerned that I'm competing with people who have been doing this job for 20 years and I've only been doing it for three. Yeah. And my mentor said to me, yes, Dan, but consider this. They've been doing the same one year of work for 20 years. What have you accomplished that's outside of that, that, that work? What additional education, what additional certifications and instructor qualifications have you done in those three years? So it's 20 years of one year work or three years of work with a lot of diversity. So I, I love that. That's the analogy that was given to me many years ago. And it's exactly what you're speaking to, John. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. And that's a great mentor. And when I say mentor, I don't necessarily mean someone who's smart and is going to be nice to you all the time. I mean, someone who will cut the crap and, and tell you what you're doing right. And in a lot of cases, tell you what you're not doing. And oftentimes that's been the best piece of advice for me is when they tell me what I'm not doing. Yeah. And definitely, I feel like the most successful, not just personal trainers, guys, because we're talking about all kinds of careers out there. So whether you're an educator in fitness, whether you're managing a club, you know, managing a series of clubs or an entire company, right? There's the people that continue their education on their own, right? The people that hear something and want to go research it on their own or buy a book. Like I bought a book yesterday from listening to my favorite podcast in the whole wide world, <laughs> the Huberman Lab. Oh my gosh, obsessed. <laughs> but they mentioned a book and my first thing, I'm in the car, mind you, don't do this. But I was in the car and I went on Amazon and bought the book. It's coming today. Um, like the people that go out there and expand their education and their knowledge and learn more. Because again, we don't know what we don't know, but those are the people that last the longest in the industry. Those are the people that people are drawn to, right? Those are the people that become mentors to other people. And those are the people that have the longevity and they get to do the things that they actually want to do, right? Because like Dan said, if you don't want to work with kids, you don't want to be stuck in a job where you have to work with kids, right? Go figure out a way to work with the people that you want to work with. But usually that means expanding what you know. A lot, a lot of knowledge bombs getting dropped here. Yeah, it takes work. That's the thing. And I think John had a great point, you guys, that there's no magic bullet, 100%. There's no one answer. There's no single straightforward answer to anything. And John and my favorite answer on social media when we're moderating or in boot camp is it depends. It yeah. like I, John, I think we should get shirts that say ISSA. It depends. Because <laughs> literally that is like the ultimate answer in fitness. They answered it a million times before because there's a lot that we, there, there's more questions, right? There's more that needs to be understood and known before I can give you an answer. And even that mm -hmm. answer is going to have some caveats, right? 
There's, uh, there's one thing I want to just throw in before we wrap things up, John. And I know that um, because of, of knowing you for years, you've done this, modeled it, taught it. And I think it's the importance of asking for feedback. So you've, you, you, made, you said something really key there where you said that your mentor isn't just nice to you, uh, but they tell you the things you don't want to hear. And I would uh, submit to you, uh, listeners, that this includes your client, clients and the people you work with and so forth. Ask them for feedback. What can I do better? What was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part? What was your favorite exercise? What would you like to see more of? How am I doing at meeting the objectives, you know, sir or ma'am? What, what, what can I do better? It, it's always ask for feedback from those people that you're either coaching, training, or working with. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's one part of the equation. And that was the easier part of the equation for me. It, earlier in my career, the difficult part was giving feedback and giving critical feedback, I should say. It's easy to tell people they're great, right? Yeah. But having difficult conversations at a time where I felt like I was a young person and they were twice my age, it was, it was difficult. But at some point, you, have, you just have to do it. Earlier, I said, just because you're scared of something, that's not a good enough reason to not do it. So I started doing it and it didn't always go well. You know, this is not me telling you that uh, you're going to do it. And it's always going to work out. and You're going to get great things out of it. Sometimes it doesn't go well, but that's kind of the learning part of the process, right? When, when something doesn't go well, you have to be able to sit back and give yourself feedback, be critical yourself and say, okay, what could I have done differently that time? And how will I do it differently the next time? So again, really, really simple stuff. But this is, this is me just saying to you as a professional trainer, pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention to your job. Pay attention to the feedback that you're getting and pay attention to the type of feedback that you're giving. These are all just the basic people skills that help to create a, a successful personal trainer and someone who can actually do some good coaching rather than just spouting off a bunch of fitness information. Yeah, well, feedback can us. be scary. Follow us for more life tips. Right, I know. We're deep here, folks. We're getting deep. <laughs> right. Well, John's now touching upon a, like a whole. We could do a whole another episode on like the personality traits of a good personal trainer or a good fitness professional in general. And a lot of it is, yeah, knowing when to solicit feedback. Right. So a lot of it's in body language, especially when you're working with people, whether you're teaching them a course material, like course material, or you're teaching them exercise. Right. How do they respond to it? Are they smiling? Are they happy? Are they giggling? Are they like withdrawing into themselves? Do they have a straight face? Do they look like they want to die right now? Like at that point, do you, what, what do you ask them? Do you ask them, are you okay? What don't you like about this? Like, do you engage with them? Do you even notice that they have this facial expression, whatever it may be, right? Or if you're teaching somebody a class, John, right? You used to teach in college. How many times have you taught where somebody was looking at you like they were either A, sleeping on the inside, but their eyes were open or B, they were like, man, this person is really feeling this material. Yeah, you know, one, one thing I can tell you for sure because, because I lived it is, and, and I've had to do this thing where we, um, as educators, try to establish all the perfect traits of a, of a professional personal trainer. And I would say at this point, I still don't know. Right. And, and I say it because of this. I don't think I had hardly any of those traits when I started. Uh, I got started because I was a former college athlete, and I thought that translates directly to being a successful fitness professional. I didn't have the people person skills. I wasn't good at giving people critical feedback. I wasn't that great a teacher uh, when I when I first started. Um, so I, I would hate to have had someone judge me on those things when I started, um, as opposed to kind of nurturing what was in there and helping me bring those things out. You know, they were in there, I was just scared to do it. And, you know, like I said, I had some of the right mentors. And um, I, 
you know, the, like I said earlier, the one thing I'll give myself credit for is at some point I decided if I'm scared, that's not a good enough reason. So I'll just, I'll just do it. And sometimes there were some epic fails in there, believe me, <laughs> fails that made me even more scared for the next time. But, you know, if, uh, if there was one piece of advice, I would say to anyone, uh, if you're scared of something you know, because of the scrutiny or the judgment, that must mean that you kind of want to want to do it. Improve at it. And, yeah. And, and then last thing, I, I know we got to wrap up soon, but um, one big point I, I want to make up based on what I was just saying is this. I've got to do a lot of cool things in the industry. You know, I've got national success stories. I've got to be director of education for a health club chain. I've got to work at a university. I've uh, had some of my celebrity encounters when I was a trainer in LA. All this Justin cool Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber, right. And uh, um, all of it started when I was just, I was just a regular dude who was like, you know what, I'm going to go work at the gym and see what happens. You know, there, there, was, there was nothing remarkable about me. I just tried it out and, and it worked out. And it's crazy to me that I'm with ISSA helping to put together courses that, that got me started. Yes. How do people connect with you, John? Because I know, I, I know they're going to want to learn more. Um, I think the easiest way is, is Instagram now. And I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing my Instagram and then the ISSA Instagram. So you can talk to me there too, guys. Um, uh, my, my personal Instagram is John, J-O-H-N double underscore Bauer, B-A-U-E-R. And then uh, the ISSA Instagram, ISSA Online, uh, is a great place to interact with not just me, but all kinds of people. I mean, I was kind of chatting it up with Mr. Olympia the other day because uh, he's friends with us on ISSA. So pretty cool place to be. Pretty cool wait, place wait, to wait. Uh, Kai Green. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> Kai Green's one of the baddest to do it. That's <laughs> yeah. because so, I didn't know Arnold was using uh, Instagram. But, I know. Uh, I was like, are uh, we okay. talking about Coleman? Who are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, guys, make sure you ask John if he has any promo codes he'd like to share because, you know, he gets flooded with promo codes now. I, no, I say this like jokingly, guys, but for real, every time I ask John for promo codes, I go shopping. And anybody who knows me knows that I am a shopper. And if it's on sale, it is for me. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, John. Thanks for all your insight. And guys, reach out to him, whether you're using the ISSA Instagram or him directly. We would love to talk to you. And John would love to share his knowledge. He is a phenomenal human being. Very, very knowledgeable, you guys. And he loves what he does. So super, I really encourage you guys um, to reach out to him. Super great guy. Thank you, guys. It's always fun to talk shop, especially with a couple of my favorites. Ah, thanks, John. <laughs> Dan, uh, Dan, any last words? Follow us for more life tips. <laughs> We're just going to start a lifestyle podcast and give like health and wellness and mental health tips. We talk about <laughs> spirit animals. We talk yeah. about everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Squirrels, altruism, all that stuff. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. We hope you got a lot out of it. Listen again if you need to, but we will see you next time or hear you next time. And until then, make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.